Hi, this is Sam Harris, and I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Thank you for joining us for another edition of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak. This is episode 527 of the show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with the guests from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week on On Screen and Beyond, Sam Harris is going to be joining us. He was a Star Search champion in the premiere season of that show, and he's a Broadway star, he's an author, and his new movie is out, Ham, a musical memoir, and it's out now. So get ready for that. Sam Harris will be coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond, but we got a lot of things to get to before that. Remake Madness is coming up. It's coming up next right here on On Screen and Beyond. And try again. Remake Madness. Well, it looks like the Pink Panther is going to get another go around. This time it will combine Inspector Clouseau, that character, and the cartoon character, the Pink Panther. It's going to be a live action animated show. And let's see, Darkwing Duck, the cartoon is being revived by Disney and Seth Rogen. And a possible remake of Big Trouble in Little China with Dwayne Johnson as the star in this one. The original had uh, Kurt Russell as the star, and that was back in 1986. And that's it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen to Beyond, upcoming new movies. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Upcoming new movies. It looks like Hilary Swank will star in a new thriller called Fatale coming from Lionsgate. And Queen Latifah and Adam Sandler will star in Hustle, and it's a sports drama on Netflix. And Adida Menzel will star in American Murderers, along with Ozark Season 3 standout Tom Pelfrey. And that's it for upcoming new movies on On Screen and Beyond. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, what do you say we take a trip down to Sequel City and find out what's coming your way as far as sequels? <laughs> Sequel City, it looks like sequels coming your way are going to be Space Jam, a new legacy. It's going to be arriving in theaters and on HBO Max on July 16th, 2021. And The Suicide Squad lands on August 6th, 2021 in theaters and on HBO Max. And The Matrix 4 comes our way on December 22nd, 2021. That's it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, let's head down and find out what's coming our way as far as TV on DVD. TV on DVD, Nancy Drew, Season 2 arrives on DVD on January 20th, and The Snoopy Show, Season 1, will land on DVD on February 5th, and you can look for February 20th for The Walking Dead Season 10 Part 3 as it strolls onto DVD. And that's it for TV on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, 
Movies on DVD. Movies on DVD. Well, January 22nd, you can look for Michael Dorn of Star Trek Next Generation fame to star in Agent Revelation on demand and on digital. And the World War II movie Call to Spy arrives on Blu-ray and DVD on February 16th. And Wander with Eric Eckhart and Tommy Lee Jones hits DVD on January 19th. It is out now on Digital HD. And that's it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, let's find out what's coming your way as far as it's TV and entertainment time. TV and entertainment time. Well, Topher Grace uh, may be returning to TV in a new ABC show called Home Economics. And there's no word when the comedy will be uh, showing up in the schedule yet, but uh, the pilot evidently has been picked up. And you can look for Katie Segal to star in Rebel. That's another pilot that was picked up. The TV show will be a drama based on the story of Aaron Brockovich. And again, no date on that one. And Work Wife will be a comedy inspired by the partnership of Kelly Ripa and Ryan Seacrest, who happen to be the executive producers of the show. No date on that one either. And that's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we are going to be talking with Sam Harris. Now, like I said earlier, Sam was the very first Star Search champion on the premiere season of Star Search back in the 80s. And uh, he was on Broadway, and uh, he's an author. And I mean, there's nothing this guy can't do. I mean, <laughs> when it comes right down to that, he has a new movie coming out, or actually it's out right now, uh, and it's called Ham, a musical memoir. We're going to find out all about that and a whole lot more. Sam Harris, next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today on On Screen and Beyond, we have the pleasure of having as our guest the first grand champion of Star Search in its premiere season back in 1983. He went on to, to break into Billboard's Top 40 with his hit Sugar Don't Bite and went on to performing <laughs> on Broadway, on TV, and in movies. He is also an author. His latest novel is The Substance of All Things and out now on virt in virtual theaters. And on January 7th, it will be streaming. It's his new film, Him. A musical memoir. It's Sam Harris. Sam, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Hi, Brian. How are you? Great, great. Uh, you sound busy, <laughs> obviously. I'm, I'm always busy. I'm always <laughs> busy. It's, it's amazing how during COVID... We feel like we have nothing to do, and yet we're busy all the time. <laughs> I, I know. I, you know, here I am. I'm, I'm thinking. You know, well, people aren't doing as much as they normally do, but you've got a book out that you that you put yes. out, and you've also got a movie coming out. I do. It's an exciting time for me because both of these projects are a long time in the coming. Wow. Well, we can talk about the 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 book in, in a little bit, but I'd like to get into yeah. your your, your uh, ham a musical memoir first. And um, uh, first off, I, I know it was also a book that you had written. And uh, yes. but how did you come up with ham? Is it because when you were a little kid, you were a little <laughs> ham, or what? <laughs> well, I definitely was a ham as a kid. It came. The title came from the title of the book came from a particular chapter in the book that was about my hamdom. 
Um, and then you know, the book was called Ham Slices of a Life, which was a collection of personal essays and a memoir. Um, and then the, the play, the musical, evolved from that. Um, so it became Ham, a musical memoir. And it was developed... Uh, uh, when the book came out, I did a series of readings. And, you know, typically when a book comes out, you do, like, bookstores and, you know, places like that. But because I'm from the theater, I did them in theaters. And I toured all over, reading excerpts and then singing a few songs. Mm -hmm. And a, a producer, a Broadway producer that I knew when I was doing it, that reading in New York said to me, I think this is a full-on musical. Do you want to develop this? And I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> and so uh, I live in Los Angeles, as does my brilliant music director, Todd Schroeder. So we went to New York and worked with Billy Porter, who you may know from his work as an actor on Pose, and uh, he's quite the sensation now. Mm -hmm. uh, but I had known him for many years, and he really helped take it from the page to the stage. And instead of the stories that were in the book, he would say, go home and write the scene, write the dialogue, write the scene. Hence me playing 12 different characters in the, in the play and in the film. And so he directed the first production in New York. And then we came to Los Angeles and a brilliant director, Ken Sawyer, took it from there. And then and we played it for quite some time and then shot it at the Pasadena Playhouse, which is a gorgeous theater here in Los Angeles, and uh, now we have this beautiful film that I'm so proud of, and I don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you just send them the copies, they play the movie. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Now, was it difficult writing the book and then writing it into a, a, a musical? Well, I think what... what Billy did for me is he helped me divorce myself from the literal stories of the book, which are autobiographical. He gave me the permission to say, let's put the, don't tell them about it, let's show them. So while much of the show, the film, is narrative, much of it is also scenes between me and other characters in which I played both. And uh, it has me from three years old to my current age. It has me from growing up in the rural Oklahoma Bible Belt to uh, having a family and a, a, a life in show business and the ups and downs of that. But what it really does is, I think, I hope, is capture... Uh, the psychological ups and downs and it's fun and it's funny and there's original music and there's songs that everybody knows um and it's dark at times it's dark it, it i i openly talk and and uh show some really low places in my life mm -hmm. um you know it's 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 a theatrical piece it's got an arc it's got a story and it goes up and down and uh I got to tell you, Brian, when I was joking and saying, I don't have to do it anymore. This show was a bitch to do. <laughs> <laughs> the physical stamina of it, the vocal, the singing vocal stamina of it, and the emotional uh, stuff that went on was really a lot. Um, it's what I call a prison show, which means you can do nothing else but the show. 
Uh, and so, I mean, it took everything I had. And when I watch it, I'm exhausted from watching. Really? Um, I know what that took. Jeez. But I'm really proud of this piece. I, I feel like, um, you know, I lay bare all of my uh, uh, my truth. Yeah. Is, is that, I mean, you know, the average person doesn't usually do that, you know. Uh, people don't talk about themselves very much, you know, or, or some people, I'm sure. But, you know, uh, we sort of keep things in. But here, you're, I mean, you're exposing <laughs> everything in your life, I mean. Yeah, you know what's funny, uh, Brian? I don't in my real life. I'm quite the introvert. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm quiet. I don't share my ups and downs and emotional things. Uh, my husband always says, if I want to see what's going on in your life, I'll come see one of your shows <laughs> because I don't express it for some reason. But however, in my work, in my writing, in my concerts, in this show, I, uh, I throw it all out there. And it's funny because after I wrote the book, this book, not the one, that, the current one that we're going to talk about, the substance of all things, but when I wrote Ham, and then people would come up to me on the street and say, oh, you know, when you were in rehab and whatever, and I would, I would think to myself, how do you know this? How do you know this intimate thing about me? What are you talking about? And then I would remember, oh, I wrote it in a book. Right. You, you did it. It's your fault. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow. That's going to be tough. But, but you know, you mentioned that you're an introvert. And you wouldn't believe, I've been doing this show for, since 2007, and wow. all these actors that, you know, you see them on the screen and, and you think, wow, the, you know, this person is, is wild and crazy and out there. And a lot of them say that they are very quiet and, and actually shy. Yeah. And you wouldn't think yeah, of that. Yeah, I am. Yeah. No, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of crowds. I don't like big parties. It intimidates me. I feel very uh, small and unqualified, but man, one-on-one, -on -one, that's why this is easy for me, Brian, yeah. because one-on-one, -on -one, I'm completely comfortable. It's when I get into, I feel overwhelmed hmm. uh, otherwise, and I'm quite, quite, uh, I, I protect myself, mm -hmm. and yet I have no problem doing it, you know, publicly. Yeah. We'll be back with more of our guests right after this short break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, how was it when, when back when you were on Star Search? I mean, you were, and, and oh, I just wanted to mention, uh, I do, you know, I look and, and do a lot of research when I, when I do an interview. And uh, mm -hmm. I was watching some of the old clips. Uh, oh, my. Because you can get them, you know, YouTube, you can find anything. And right. there were clips of you singing, and, and it's like, okay, there's the 80s hair. <laughs> totally. That was the totally. style. <laughs> 
indeed it was. It's embarrassing to look back upon, but hopefully people will look past the hair and to the content. <laughs> yeah, but how how were you when you went on there? Were you, was that your first performance that you had ever done in in I mean at that size of a public you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I had I I, I as I said, I was from a, a rural Oklahoma, and I left home at fifteen to uh, find my tribe, to find other people. And I was also this gay kid in Bible Belt, Fire and Brimstone. Mm-hmm. So I, I found my tribe in other theater people and other musical people. But, uh, and, I, and I also was fortunate, as is in the play slash movie, to have a mentor who really, really taught me about authenticity and truth-telling on the stage. But And I think that having played so many dumps and dives, which I'm not sure are available today to people, certainly not during COVID. I'm right. talking about pre-COVID. <laughs> um, these places where people can f- figure out who they are and fail. Failing mm-hmm. is so important, you know? Uh, learning, you learn more by trying something and understanding that it's not you or it didn't work as you do when something does. So by the time I got to Star Search at 22 years old, I had a repertoire, I had a persona, I had a singing style, <clears throat> and I think it's when it, it's one of those things that when preparation and opportunity and talent come together, then it has a chance to fire. Mm-hmm. And all of those things happened at the same time for me. I, I, I knew who I was at a young age, and it, this is the other side of youth, is ignorance is bliss, and I didn't judge it. It's like, this is who I am. I slip my wrists, and I go on the stage and sing a song. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Now, when you, in the, the Ham a Musical Memoir, uh, does it look back at, you said back when you were three years old, but is, does it also yeah. look back at the Star Search uh, era of your life? Yes, it does indeed. It does indeed. There is a whole segment of it. Excuse me. And as I told you, I play different characters. And one of the characters that I play, aside from myself, is Jerry Blatt, who was this mentor and director and writer who taught me all these things. And he... He's this in the show. It's not really him, but it's, right. it's what he taught me. He is this vaudevillian sort of super Jew, fabulous kind of like funny character. But he narrates this section of the show in what happened to me and the rise of it and what happened and the fame of it. Um, as I it goes in and out of me singing those songs that I sang on Star Search in these medleys interspersed with him telling what's happening. So, um, yes, that is very much a part of this uh, show. Wow. It sounds like it's a, it's a, it's a great uh, movie to, to see, and, and it would, I'm sure on stage it would have been, it must have been amazing. You know what, though? Uh, yes, I, I will agree. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you better. I mean, this, this, this project, you know, we had all these, amazing reviews from, you know, important LA Times, the New York Times, all these things. And so, and, and I knew that I've done many things in my long career and I know when they suck and I know when they're good. And I knew this was good. And so to be able to take it to film was so amazing because 
film as great as, and I'm a theater, you know, I'm a theater guy. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference between seeing something and seeing a proscenium and focusing in on a character that is however many yards away from you and seeing a film in which those moments are captured in an intimate way. And we shot the show, we did two live shows with an audience on one day, full straight through. I think I stopped once to change my shirt because I was so schwitzy. <laughs> um, and then the next day we did some pickups, which where the camera was on stage and caught certain moments that were more intimate. So what the film does is uh, it's able to give you a perspective of, of the director's perspective of the camera. Mm-hmm. of the close-up of the tear rolling out of the eye that you may not be able to see in a theater. Right. Yeah. So that was thrilling for me. And also I, I want to add that it was very important to me when we knew we were going to shoot this as a film that it not feel archival, you know, that mm-hmm. it not feel like, oh, this is like wide shot and we here's the show and now we know that it existed. I wanted it to have the rhythm and the flow and the feeling of a film. Of a film. Yeah. And with most theatrical pieces that you see, it is more archival. It's like two cameras and good luck. And then you see something like Hamilton, in which they really did take a lot of private time and do close-ups, and they were on the stage. And I like, that's what I want this to be. I want this to be a film in which you can invest on a very, very intimate level. And I think we accomplished that. I had a wonderful, wonderful film director who really knew what he was doing and we had five cameras and two cranes and he uh, shot it in the way that we could edit this to give every possible uh, view and perspective. So were you involved a lot with the editing too? Yes. Mm -hmm. I wasn't involved with the shooting and the cameras and I wasn't, I wasn't that uh, much of a control freak. But, <laughs> but well, hey, yeah. I mean, After, hey, this is yours. I mean, <laughs> yeah. No, I trusted. I trusted Andy Pachogel, who was just is wonderful. And then we had a really great uh, editor, uh, Corey Ziemanek, who's done a lot of television. It's just he's and he's smart and he's musical, and that was key in editing. He understands rhythm and sound and points of edit. And uh, yes, I sat beside him a good deal of the time. Yeah. But the lion's share of it, trust me, he's the one who edited this. Right. And yeah. he did it beautifully. Yeah. Now, you had the memoir, the book, Pam. Uh, yeah. How long did it take you to take from that into the screenplay for Ham, the, uh, a, a musical memoir? A, a while. Uh, the book was released in 2014. I did it in New York in 2015. I did it in L.A. in 2016 and 17, and then we remounted it again, and I did it again, and we shot it in 2018, and it was edited in 19, and now it's released. Hmm. Yeah. So that's a long time, Brian. Yes. <laughs> it's a long time. And the book, you know, the new book that I wrote, it took four years to write. You know, it's n- this is not... <laughs> This is this is not it's doing this is not for sissies. It takes perseverance and tenacity and a goal and uh it just feels so good when it's out. And now I'm so lucky because I have two 
projects that I love so much that are happening at the same time, mm. you know? Yeah. Now, was that intended, or does it, it was no. Ham bounce back because of the COVID and everything? Well, no, no, it was not intended at all. It was, uh, it was just good. It was serendipitous, and well, we got this, uh, this great distributor that we love, uh, Global Digi- Digital, and um, it all just came together at the same time that I was releasing the book. So it's really nice to. Uh, it's funny though, Brian. When I look at my at my uh, schedule of press that I'm doing for these mm-hmm. with the book and the movie, and I have to look and say, wait a minute, is this for the book or is this for the movie? <laughs> right. And so I, <laughs> I have to switch my head. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope you don't mind if we combine the two. <laughs> no, please do. It's my pleasure. Trust me. Yeah. Well, tell us about the, the the your book. I mean, that's you know something of interest also. Um, this is my first uh, fiction, literary fiction. It's called The Substance of All Things, and as opposed to Ham, uh, which was a memoir, you know, first person essays. This is a literary piece, and it's about it's a two time thing. It's about a boy growing up in rural Oklahoma. Uh, he's a little... Uh, the time set is, is, would make him me younger than him. Um, and he finds that he has, uh, through this Native American outcast, learns that he has the gift of healing through these disfigured hands that he has. And he's 12 years old. And it's this story in this uh, rural 1968 setting uh, which is a, 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 about the culture, about his relationship with his father. His mother has died, and he has a little sister. And it's about him grappling with this gift, and then he is exploited as this sort of, uh, you know, faith healer and put on the road. And then that is juxtaposed with this same character, Theo, as an adult, who is haunted by this this summer that he experienced and the damage of it, uh, and he is a therapist, and through his work with a very, very broken woman, he is able to find the courage to go back and look at his own life, which he had never done. So um, there's a lot of funny and fun in it. There's some crazy in it. But by and large, it's about really uh, investigating and having the courage to investigate demons and pasts and things that have affected us. And it's really about the difference between events defining who you are as opposed to informing who you are. And that difference is when someone has tragic circumstances, difficult times, and they say, oh, this is what this did to me, and that's who I am, and this is what happened, and that's it. That defines you. Hmm. When things happen that inform you, no matter how tragic, uh, and this woman that in the therapist's office is quite quite tragic. It's a when something informs you, it means that it gives you a better perspective of humanity, of the human condition, in which, as tragic as it may have been, enriches you because now you have a greater understanding of humanity. And there are many themes in the book, but that is one of them. And I think that two people can be in the same circumstance. And one person can say, this defines me, and one person can say, this informs me. Mm-hmm. And there's a vast, vast difference. Yeah. Well, Sam, this is so different from 
everything else you've ever done. How, how did yeah. you come up, come about with this? I mean, is it just something that popped? This story popped into your mind, or? Well, it did, but it was after a long writer's block, and I'm not really a writer's block guy. I like once I dive into something, I go. But my first book, uh, the the president of of gallery at Simon and Schuster, and my editor had a, we had a lunch in New York. And they said, we want you to write fiction. I was, I was so sad to write more essays and more essays. and more. We want you to write fiction. And they were very encouraging and said, you have the chops, and we want you to write fiction. After which I would, had a writer's block for a year. Oh, and geez. I tried things, and I, it was awful. And then I was at a friend's house for a dinner party, and he said, I've never known you to have a block. And he started asking me questions about my childhood and if there were th- secrets and stories and, and I, you know, that light bulb moment happened and I said, do you have a legal pad? And I left the dinner party and sat in another room in the corner and started making notes. And that's when it came. And I think that for all of us, you know, when we have creative moments, we can, we can struggle for them. We can try things, but when it happens, it is like this kind of lightning bolt, you know, mm-hmm. So that was the birth of this idea, and then it went through many incarnations. I'm a very fast writer, but the editing process is uh, much more uh, investigative and, and thorough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> that's, that's, that's incredible. Huh. So now um, <clears throat> let's take a, a, a little delve back into your past and – like I said, you were the grand champion singer on Star Search. And um, one question I have about that uh, is why did they never, or did you never release Over the Rainbow as, you know, you, your Sugar Don't Bite came out as, right. as your first record. Why didn't they do, or why didn't you do the Over the Rainbow? Well, because, they, they, because it was Motown and they were foolish. Um, <laughs> it is on my first record with Motown. I see, okay. Uh, I recorded it. They did not release it as a single because it wasn't what you would call uh, typical pop. True, However, I understand that, but, but but I mean that's what everybody. But it makes no sense. Yeah, everybody. Well, it, it been, I mean, it's ridiculous, right? Yeah, I mean, I, that's just when things break out. Is if if you know we have it's it's a different time now, you know, Brian, because now we have seven thousand uh, stations and networks and streaming. Right, and back in nineteen eighty four. There were, uh, you know, four four channels, mm-hmm. and so we had an average audience on Star Search of twenty five to thirty million people. Jeez. Those numbers are not real now. You know, a yeah. hugely successful sitcom will get five billion people. So it was different, and you would think, wouldn't you, if you had thirty million people a week watching something, that you would put out the song that is connected to this person right but no brian no brian did not do that <laughs> they put out a dance song which has nothing to do with me i still don't even know what that song is about Sugar don't buy what does that mean <laughs> they put out a dance song because they were trying to establish me <clears throat> as this sort of you know right yeah donna pop person yeah um 
that was not good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, I understand what they were trying to do, but I would have thought that, you know, okay, first you hit them with the song that everybody's going crazy over hearing you sing. I don't care yeah. if it's slow or fast or what, but that's what everybody knows you for. And then you turn around and say... And then follow it up. Yeah, you yes, know. Brian, why, why <laughs> I ask you... Why didn't you work at Motown in the mid-80s? I wish I had. <laughs> you were probably not born. No, actually, I, w- I, w- I was on the radio at that time. <laughs> okay. I was playing Sugar Don't Bite. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Got it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's it, it, that always just sort of, you know, threw me for a loop, wondering, why, why would you not do that? Right. <laughs> yeah. Why would you? It's like when Whitney K- Houston came out with... The Greatest Love of All. Mm-hmm. It was completely atypical. I actually saw her sing that in a tiny little dumpy nightclub in New York City when she was singing backup for her mother. Wow. And she, her mother brought her out and sang The Greatest Love, Love of All. She was like 18 years old. And, you know, the talent was incredible. And that's what they put out because they knew that was her, her thing. That's and her. then they followed it up. Yeah. But uh, the, the same wisdom did not apply. Gee, hmm. that's too bad. Yeah. What was Ed it's McMahon? Fine. What was Ed McMahon like? Oh man, he was like this sort of grandfather figure to me. Mm-hmm. He was so encouraging and he was so he really took me under his wing, not only during the show, but after and you know, came to see everything I did. But he's it's interesting because, you know, it was the first season of that show. And he's the one who made it the Sam Harris show. He's the one who built it up and positioned me in the right place and built me up. And I mean, part of it was business because they knew that uh, I mean, there was a lot of great talent on the show, but they knew that was what was drawing people mm-hmm, yeah. was, you know, the, uh, the, the anticipation of what would happen. But he was really personally uh, responsible for building that and, uh, he was lovely to me. He was a really extraordinary human being. Hmm. Yeah. Jeez. And I, I always loved Star Search. I thought it was a great show. I, it, just the way they did it, I thought, you know, it's... I, I enjoyed it more than some of the, the newer versions. Well, you know the difference, though? <laughs> the difference is, I think, there was so much... You know, it's basic production. Mm-hmm. There's no, like, you know, there's not... Of forty moving lights and an orchestra and backup singers, smoke coming out of your ass. It's like <laughs> it's it's it was raw, and they didn't tell me what I had to sing and what I had to wear and what I had to do. There were no mentors. There were no stylists. It was you. It was what you chose. Otherwise, I don't think I would have been on the show. Because here I am wearing these baggy pants and an oversized tailcoat with sequin <laughs> trim and, you know, Converse basketball shoes and singing, like, songs that were, some of them, very obscure. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's no way I don't think that could have happened today. So you really went out there as yourself. Yeah. No one was trying to groom you into a pop star. Yeah. And so there was something, I think, that was, innocent and truthful mm-hmm. about that yeah. you know what i mean yeah yeah no i agree with you very much it uh, it just had a different feel i mean you know it's it's still a singing competition but yeah it, it was different and and it was uh it was just fun to watch yeah it, it couldn't happen today 
Um, and, and by the same token, I think that uh, when you see someone, I mean, I love all these talent shows. I don't watch them, I'll be honest, but I love that they exist because to give a platform to talent, I mean, geez, it's like the greatest. Oh, geez, yeah. Would you watch someone who has that thing and you tune in to say, oh, my God. Uh, it's uh, I, I'm ultimately I got to tell you I am such I am such a fan of talent and you know as an author and a actor and as a singer and all those things I it's I'm sort of silly I'm kind of like a juvenile in that every time I walk on a through a stage door and I've done many shows in which I've had to do eight times a week I think about oh my God, I'm walking through this door. Oh my God, I'm on a Broadway stage in which these people have trod these floors, these boards, mm -hmm. and I'm in a dressing room that was occupied by some legend or whatever. Or when I go on, you know, drive onto a studio lot for something, I am forever a fan of like, I can't believe I'm here. Mm -hmm. I can't believe I'm here. Yeah. And that curiosity and that wonder is, I think, what has given me a, a, a long career. And I know that's true for many of my peers who feel the same way. Once we start to get, take it for granted or get jaded about it, well, A, it's no fun, and mm. B, it ultimately will not end well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. If it, yeah, if it's not fun, why do it? Exactly. You know, people, people yeah. you know, when they're just miserable doing it, it's like, then why are you here? <laughs> you know <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, Sam, uh, I know you've, you're giving us a lot of time here, and uh, my my pleasure. And I, uh, where can people now? Right now, it's in virtual theaters. Uh, Ham, a musical memoir. Uh, but on January seventh, it's going to be available streaming. Where can people see that? Well, it's. It's actually streaming now. Oh, it is? As of December 3rd. It's on Lemily, which I can't even spell. L-A-E-M-M... <laughs> no, L-A-E-M-M-L-L-E. -L -L -E. You know, it's the theater chain, the Lemily theater mm -hmm. chain, and they've gone virtual, as everything has during COVID. And so it is actually available to stream now, to rent, on Lemily. Uh, I don't... Just type it in. And then on January... Seventh, I think you said it goes to Broadway HD. Yes, yeah. Uh, which uh, you know, theater fans go to, and then it will go to a wider release after that. But right now, it can be seen before January. Mm -hmm. It can be seen at Lemley. Um So, uh, see, you know, it's really exciting to me, especially at this time of year. There's a lot of love out there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> in the middle of the crazy. Right. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, now you have. If, if people want to get in the spirit, you do have some some Christmas songs albums out from the past, correct? I do indeed. I have a Christmas album called On This Night, and I have another Christmas album called uh, Sam Harris Christmas Live. And it's so funny, you know, Brian. I never, I never listen to my records but at christmas time when we're decorating me and my husband and my kid every year i'll say alexa play sam harris christmas music <laughs> <laughs> and uh-oh did you hear that just a minute alexa, stop. Stop. 
she was actually going to play Christmas music. I know. Right Isn't now. that every time you say that, you know, if, if you say the words, they, they'll start playing or doing whatever yeah. you say. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I was telling a friend, I, I'm a, you know, they're saying that everyone can hear everything because it's always listening for the words Alexa. And my friend said, I don't care if Russia knows, I, knows that I need to buy bread. <laughs> I am hiding nothing. And I. <laughs> I kind of feel the same way. <laughs> well, but yes, I encourage people to listen. There's some lovely things on those records. Yeah, yeah. There's so many things to to talk to you about. You know, I mean, you know, like I say, there's there's music people can listen to. There's your books they can read. There's the, your your hymn, the mus- a musical memoir that they can watch. I mean, it, it, you cover everything. <laughs> Well, thank you, Brian. I try. I get bored easily, um, so I always switch gears. But I have to say that whatever I'm doing at that time, you know, is my favorite thing. If I'm writing intently, I could realize that I've written for, you know, whatever, 14 hours and not come up for air or a meal. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing, if I'm rehearsing, man, I could live in a rehearsal hall like all the time where you can experiment and try and fail and. I could live there. I, I love when I walk up a stage, even though it takes a lot to get me there. I have, I'm a big stage fright guy. Wow. Um, but when I'm in the studio, you know, it's that. So whatever I'm doing is my favorite thing to do. Yeah. And for all of the, anyone who's listening, you know, uh, I have to say I'm often asked, like, you know, I have, some people will say, I've had an idea for a book, and, and my advice about all of this is just do it. Just write just sing just do not judge it do not edit it just do it because when we get in our own way of writing a page and then going back and correcting it and figuring it out we never move forward Mm -hmm. so the answer is to be brave and be courageous and just begin the process and the rest will come and i've tried to lead my life that way Jump in and see what happens. Uh, and I don't know. I don't know any other way to live because when I'm too careful, and I edit myself in every way, it inevitably will end up uh, impossible to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, Sam, those are great words. <laughs> I mean, you know what? Good. What? What else can people try to live by? Really? I mean, that's. But look what you're doing, my friend. You know, you've been in radio forever. You're doing podcasts. We're in COVID. You're making it work. Mm-hmm. We just move forward, right? Yeah. We take yeah. our gifts and we recognize them and we make a life of it. Yeah. And mazel tov to you and to anybody who's listening. Go out and do it. Yeah. Well, Sam, I want to finish up with two final questions. Yeah. And actually, I might even throw a third one in there. But the the, the, tip, okay. the typical question I ask at the end is, what are your favorite TV shows now and of the past? What's your favorite movies now and of the past? And because you're in music, I'm going to say, what's your favorite songs now and of the past? Okay, what was the first one? Television? Television, movies, and music. Okay, COVID has changed everything, right? So I love The Crown. Mm-hmm. I love uh, The Queen's Gambit. Oh, that was great. And I love The British Baking Show, which I can't stop watching. It's <laughs> Usually bingeable. Um, Are you a cook? Past, yes, I am. You do. Okay. Really <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
Um, I'm not a baker so much, but now I just bought a bunch of baking things because I'm, I'm inspired. For film, oh my God. Uh, um, this is going to be so obscure, Brian, but it popped into my head. There's a, a French film called Ponette, and it's about a four-year-old girl who has lost her mother, and the film, it's in French, is about her coming to terms with that and what that means for her. And I have seen it... I don't know, 40 or 50 times. Wow. And every time I say, oh, I'm going to look at this technically now. And inevitably, I'm crying in 30 minutes. <laughs> this little child who uh, won like every award and she was four years old. Like she peaked at four. Wow. Um, <laughs> um, and currently, Jesus, I wouldn't even know. I haven't been outside my house. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Movies. I don't know. I have a 12-year-old boy. So we watch a lot of crap. <laughs> um, we watch a lot of bad comedy and Fast and the Furious and a lot of things that I have no interest at all in watching. <laughs> but, you know, and then I'll throw in, like, To Kill a Mockingbird or, mm -hmm. you know, yep. some like the classics. Hot, and he he can't, he's like, whatever. Um, <laughs> and what was your third? Uh, Music. What, what's your favorite? What Who do you like? What are your favorite artists and songs? Hmm. <sighs> When you were well, growing I up, think, who, who? when I was growing up, strangely, here I am, this little child in Oklahoma. I loved Billie Holiday. Mm, wow! I loved Aretha Franklin. I loved all Broadway musicals. When I got to be a little older, I was smitten with all Tom Waits things. Mm -hmm. Now you'll find, actually, as I'm listing this and thinking of it, none of these these were not great vocalists, but they were storytellers. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, you know, they told a story. They pulled you in and told you something and hurt your heart. Um, currently, geez, um, I can't even answer that. I mean, there's a lot of artists that I love. I'm finding that all the women sound exactly alike. I, yeah, I, I find that too. <laughs> they sound exactly alike, and so when it comes up with this different. Um, but uh, you know what? I mean, this isn't exactly current, 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 but I guess it is. I think Bruno Mars is like the bomb. Oh, yeah. He does yeah. it all. He's a great singer. Yeah. He's a great writer. He's a great entertainer. He's got a sense of humor. I mean, to me, he's like old school now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. When he did up, Uptown Funk, it, it, to me, that oh my it, God. that was a mixture of, of what I listened to back in the 70s and, you yeah. know, what we should be listening to now. <laughs> And it was, and it was popular, and the video was great. Yeah. And then, hey, Brian, did you see that that video that they made of the old men doing Uptown Funk? Google no. it. No, okay. It is so fantastic. It is like a ripoff of it's. It's great. Anyway, hmm. uh, yeah, that's music and 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 theater. Or sorry, and film and. Yep. And here we are. Well, we can't really do much of any of it yeah yeah i know <laughs> someday someday <laughs> someday someday in the in, in the in, in in the meantime we can watch my movie and we can read my book that's right <laughs> that's right sam yes. i i've enjoyed this so much and i can't thank you enough for doing it and uh i wish my pleasure brian and i wish everybody would go go and get your book you make a nice gift at christmas and that's true. also uh see be sure to watch ham you know get the family around watch it and uh, have a good time i so appreciate it you're really uh great to talk to <laughs> 
And once again, I want to thank Sam Harris so much for joining us here on On Screen and Beyond. It's uh, always fun to find out what people are doing, you know, people that have done uh, so much in the past and, and things are just continuing for them. It's great to hear that. And uh, we hope that you get a chance to see him a musical memoir it's out now and uh, you just you know just just have a good time with that uh, everybody's watching things you know right now so it's a good time to uh, just sit back and relax and watch that and take your mind off things so that's it that's a wrap for another episode of on screen and beyond we're going to keep coming quickly at you here because of course uh, around the uh, christmas time we'll be taking off for a week or so and then we'll be coming back with more episodes of on screen and beyond but uh, trying to get you as many as we can ahead of time. And uh, we've got lots of more guests coming our way, so be sure to stick around and tell a friend about On Screen and Beyond. Like us on Facebook, and you know if you're on uh, uh, Apple uh, Podcasts, uh, leave a review there on iTunes and everything, and you know let people know about us. Find out uh, more about us, and uh, we want to get it out, so I uh, hope you'll do that for us. And, of course, like I said, tell a friend. That's the best way. And uh, have them uh, listen to some of these great people we got on here. Well, that's it. That is a wrap for this episode of On Screen and Beyond. So until next time, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. 